Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Evan Herman, and I am your host. Today, we're talking to a pastor friend of mine, Lonnie Stewart, who is within the same fellowship that I'm a part of as a minister. And as we talk to Lonnie today, something that I've admired about him from what I've known is the ability through his life to live a surrendered life. And I wanted to talk to him about that today. So Lonnie, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Evan. Great to be with you. Thank you. So every Christian over a period of time feels like, you know what, there's more surrender in this relationship with God that I can do. And there's condemnation, there's guilt, there's shame. Sometimes there's ego. But how do we push past all those things and say, God, despite all my struggles, despite all my sins, I want to surrender more. How do we do that? What's the step to initiate that process? I think it starts with knowing who you are and what you have in Christ. The Bible says that Jesus died on the cross. Uh, he looked down upon us and he took our sins and poured in us his righteousness. And so for me, the key is seeing myself whether God sees me, uh, which not always easy, but it's a position that you have to accept by faith. Um, Redemption has to do with being redeemed from guilt, uh, sin, and condemnation. And, and so he took our sins, poured in us his righteousness. So now is what I have to do is to replace a sin, guilt, ridden consciousness with a righteousness, which um, happens as I renew my mind with the word of God, which is the truth. Hmm. Whatever God's word says is the truth about me. And so I have to accept that by faith. Do I always feel like it? I don't always feel like it. Uh, there are times that the enemy of our soul, Satan, will try to bring up our past life, our past sins, our past failures, our past trans transgressions. And so I have to remember what God said about me what he did yeah. for me in Christ. In this process of accepting our righteousness through faith, because ultimately that's what it is, not just salvation through faith, but our righteousness through faith. How do we go about surrendering the thoughts, the lies, the bondage, that we've held on to or believed growing up and even into adulthoods in the things that so plague us now. How do we let those go? Let me, let, let me rephrase this. How do we build the faith to have that in order to have faith through righteousness? I think it starts with a decision. Um, when I made Jesus the Lord of my life, 
back in August of 1980. Um, a Baptist believer stopped by our little apartment there in Altamont, Illinois. He shared with me the four, four laws. And after he left, I went back into my little bathroom there, a little apartment there in Altamont, Illinois. I got on my knees and repented of my sins and made Jesus the Lord of my life. Uh, when I did that, nothing really changed on the outside. My mind was still the same. Uh, my body was still the same. But I'm a new creature on the inside. And so now is what I have to do is make a decision to follow Christ, uh, to follow his ways, and to believe his word. And once I did that and began that process, then there was change that began to happen on the outside as well. My mind began to be renewed with the word and ways of God. Um, I began to follow after God. And whatever I give my attention to is what my desire is going to go towards. When I was in the world and was living uh, for the world, uh, I spent all my, I gave all my attention to the things of this world. But now that I'm a believer, I give my attention to God and to his word. And so then I find myself desiring more of him and desiring more of his word. The more time I spend in the word of God, the more I desire the word of God. And I believe you can get to the place where just like an alcoholic is addicted to alcohol, um, a drug addict is addicted to drugs, uh, a person can become addicted to the things of God by spending time with God and by spending time in the word of God to where it becomes almost an addiction which is a good addiction. So, uh, and then your life begins to become, change and transform. So let's, let's park on that for a second. A lot of times in my life, at least when I was young, I very much could identify with what you said. It was really easy for me to spend time with Christ. As I got older, as I graduated college, and life started happening. I started getting adult wounds. Life really hit hard. And the desire for quiet time with the Lord dissipated, I noticed, in my life as an adult. And then I felt bad. And then I did it out of obligation. And then out of doing it out of obligation, I didn't feel quotation works, feel any revelation, any intimacy, because I didn't feel the intimacy, then it being a work of the flesh, I stopped. And then there was a period of my adult life where I just didn't spend time in the word. Now, a lot of that is different in my life now, but for someone who's in that situation, who's done it out of the work of the flesh and not out of intimacy, how do they rekindle that desire of intimacy so that's not a religious work or a work of the flesh, but a work out of the spirit? That's a great question, um, Evan. I was raised in a very religious home. 
I was raised Amish Mennonite. And I respect very much uh, my family traditions and, and all that. And I believe that uh, because I heard growing up a lot about the fact that there's a heaven again and a hell shun, that maybe caused me to begin to search for search the truth. I didn't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And, and so, but at the moment I found Christ, um, I had a lot of religion and a lot of baggage I had to deal with uh, from things that I was exposed to uh, growing up. And so I, I found myself in the beginning stages of my walk with God, doing things as you just pointed out to, um, as a work of the flesh, more than out of an intimacy with God. But the more I began to walk with God and spend time in prayer and spend time in the word, then uh, I began to sense a newfound freedom where that religious bondage, which is what I had, began to lift off from me. And so I went more from religion to revelation. And, and so there was a laboring that I went through in the beginning stages to get that off of me, which maybe was a work of the flesh. As I stayed with that, um, I went from, like I said, I went from religion to revelation. And so even today, there are times when I don't always feel like praying. I don't always feel like spending time in the word. Uh, but, you know, Paul said that he puts his flesh under. He brings his flesh under subjection to his spirit, man. And so that's what I do. I, I do that. You know, I feel like it, uh, but I do it by faith. And so I, I find myself when I push through that, um, it's not so much a work of the flesh as much as it is a decision that I've made to put the word of God first place in my life. And then my feelings begin to line up with that. My thoughts begin to be renewed with the word of God. Uh, when I give myself to the word of God and give myself to prayer. And so as what I'm doing, I'm allowing uh, my spirit man to dominate my flesh through my soul instead of allowing my flesh to dominate my spirit man through my soul. Yeah. And, and so it's um, there are many steps involved in that. Uh, so I want to have learned over the years. I want to reword that in a in a different way more maybe I um have a psychology way so at first are you familiar with Zig Ziglar oh yes I love so, Zig Ziglar <laughs> I do too um yeah he had this quote be do have wonderful man very much so he had this quote be do yes. have and in this process you have to be before you can do. And so yes. when we look at yes. what you're saying, you're saying not just read the word of God and then you'll be. However, you're identifying in advance with your future self. You're making decisions from your future self. Like, hey, I might not be this right now, but my future self is. So I'm identifying yes. with my future self now. Then to do the actions required, which would be spending time in the word of God, spending time in prayer 
And what might feel like a religious act at first turns into an intimacy. And then with that intimacy, then you actually have that self-fulfilling prophecy aspect of the have. That's yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, The thing about it is, uh, you know, I, I, I call it the four D's. Four D's. First, you have to have, you have, to have a desire. Okay, it starts with desire. Everything starts with desire. Nobody's successful in life without having a desire to get to where you want to go. Then the next D is determination. You have to back that desire with determination. A lot of times people have a desire to do something or to go somewhere or to achieve something, but it's not back with determination determination then you have to have the discipline okay uh to stay with it as you're pursuing your desire and then you have to have dedication you know and it starts with my dedication to the lord um you know jesus he didn't uh he didn't spend time with god to get free Jesus spent time with God because he was free. Yeah. Okay. And, and so um, I don't spend time with God to somehow give me love me more than he already does. God loves me whether I pray or don't pray. He loves me whether I read the word or don't read the word. Because God is love. He loves me regardless of what decisions I make in life. But when I spend time in prayer, spend time in the word, then it makes me more aware of who I already am in him. Yeah. So I find out who I am in him, where I'm going, uh, when I'm in his word, and when I'm spending time in prayer. If, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. <clears throat> Edit my cough out, please. Certainly. Um, in this process I, of being transformed into the image of Christ. I like what you were saying, how Jesus didn't go to God out of, oh, how did you say that? Jesus didn't go to God because he had to, but because he desired to. Yes, yes, exactly. And so in this process, I can tell you in my life, I have gone to God often out of the, I have to, I need to, I'm terrible. I'm ashamed. I'm yes. guilty. I'm, I, I am my sin. I'm. So how do we put off those thoughts and then become one with Christ and not only who he is in his nature. And then that nature is bestowed in us and we act that out, but how do we take upon that nature of how we see ourselves. Yeah, I think that probably the number one need, probably in the body of Christ, if I may say so, is mind renewal. Okay. Um, we all miss the mark from time to time. We all make mistakes. Um, that's why we have 1 John 1 9, which says if we confess our sins, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I'm, I constantly tell our congregation, 
when you mess up, don't run from God, always run to God. Yeah. He's there to help you, to clean you back up, to put you back together again. You know, when when someone falls, I always fall forward. <laughs> uh, get up, dust yourself up, and keep going forward. Um, that's why the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that went that that a just man shall fall seven times and get back up again. And so the more I find out who I am and what I have in Christ, like the easier it is for me to accept his forgiveness uh, when I miss the mark or make a mistake or just mess up somehow. Mm -hmm. uh, if I know the word says he's made me righteous, then the thing I should do if I mess up is run right back to God who has made me righteous. Um, when I cast my hands, that's not when God found out of me. He saw me mess up. Yeah. When I confess my sins, that's when I get rid of it. That's for me. That's not for God. That's for, that's for me. That's what's going to set me free, is admitting my wrongdoing. So this podcast is called The Whole Person Podcast, and I've never dug too deep into that concept, but we are specifically talking about the spirit and the soul or slash mind and the body. So in your time with God, how have you learned to distinguish how to live and operate out of the spirit, meanwhile, still subjugated to flesh and soul or body and mind? Well, um, Paul said that we walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. And so to walk in the spirit, I guess at the same time, in spirit and in truth. Now to do that, I've got to spend time praying in the spirit. Okay, I spend a good amount of time praying in the spirit, um, which helps me to move from my flesh to the spirit. Okay, and so now, after I spend time praying in the spirit, it's amazing how that I begin to start to see things that I may be dealing with in my life from God's perspective rather than my own human perspective. Mm. Okay, which limits God. God's unlimited. Um, but we sometimes limit God with our with our thinking. So it really goes back to um to our thinking processes, okay? Um, what I think about is what I'm going to see. That's why God took Abraham um, and showed him all the stars because he wanted to get a, an image, if you want, an inner image of his descendants. He said, so shall your descendants be, God said. So what I think about is what I'm going to see. Uh, what I see is what I'm going to believe. Uh, what I believe is what I'm going to say. What I say is what I'm going to have, Jesus said. But it all starts with my thinking process. So I have to I have to think God's thoughts with God. I do that by putting God's thoughts in me, which is his word. So I don't do that out of duty, uh, per se. You know, again, God still loves me. I'm righteous regardless whether I'm doing this stuff or not. But it's for me that I do this, do these things. 
I do these things out of relationship and out of revelation, not out of religion. I think sometimes when life gets hard, it's easy to give up those spiritual disciplines. Whether it's a level of offense that uh, is entered in our heart or mind. When you're going through something hard, health issues, a six a sick spouse, a loss of a loved one, a financial crisis. How do you go to God both for your need, but also out of intimacy? Because when we become need-focused, it can also detract from living a life by the Spirit. That's true. So how That's do you true. do both well? Well, uh, for me, I mean, it's different for every person. Um, that's why Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How I may work things out may be different than how you or somebody else will work it out. You know, for me, um, I was involved in martial arts for a number of years. I think about 13 years, something like that. And I acquired a, a black belt. And I also was involved in the insurance business for a number of years, uh, about 13 years, um, which both the martial arts and selling insurance required a lot of discipline. So I've developed certain habits that's carried over into my spiritual life that helped to keep me founded on the word of God. Um, the first thing I do when I get up almost every morning, one of the first things I do when I get up is I'll say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will. See, my will's involved in this. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I'll say, I choose to be glad today. I refuse to be sad. I refuse to be mad. Anything or anybody. Now, I do that to get my, my mind and my, my will and my soul and my flesh flowing with God. I don't want to feel like doing that, uh, but I do that. Now, do I do that out of duty? Well, it's a duty that I do because it keeps my flesh in line. But also do it out of revelation that God's given to me uh, from his word. And if I put my flesh down and do things that my flesh does not want to do or resist things my flesh wants to indulge in, uh, then the benefits are out of this world. Yeah. So there are some things that I do uh, simply out of habit, uh, but it's not really duty so much as it is just I got some revelation in the word of God that keeps me flowing in a certain direction. And um, that's just how I pattern my, my life. And, um, you know, I'm a pastor and uh, pastors uh, have a lot of things on their plate, you know, because I not only have my own thoughts to deal with, but the thoughts of my congregation that they deal with as well. Yeah. And, and so nearly every day I do this here too. I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, <laughs> I roll all the cares, personal life and ministry over on Jesus, for he careth for me. And I'll say, I do this an act of my will. I do this as an act of obedience to your word. I do this as an act of faith. And uh, I say, I tell God, I refuse to worry about anything. 
Now, do worries come? Yeah, they come. But I refuse to take them on. I, I choose to, to stay free. You know, um, Jesus wasn't free because he didn't sin. He didn't sin because he is free. That's Follow good. me there. So, so it's 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 all by revelation. I don't do these things to get free. I do these things because I already am free, and I want to stay free. That is awesome, Lonnie. In this process of changing one's identity from not being free to being free, because that's what it is. It's an identity shift. We are already free, yes. but yes. we need to identify with that freedom. And I know we've talked yes. about a lot of that comes by prayer, by reading the Bible, by renewing our heart and mind. We also live in a microwave society where we want everything instantaneously. Yes. And it can become discouraging when we don't see the results of the identity change as quickly as we'd like. So in this process, what does that look like? What does it, what time frame? I know it's different for every person and it's hard to, to create a mathematical equation where if you follow X, Y, Z, you'll get this result. But in this process, what are some of the things that, that we can kind of see that help us like, okay, you know what? That was one domino that got knocked over. Okay, here's another domino that got knocked over. The the baby steps, the the little encouragements along the way that help us build our faith. What are some of those things that we can see to know that we are making strides in our shift of identity? Well, of course, it starts again with knowing what the word of God says. Uh as long as I'm uh Standing in faith on what the word of God says. You know, Paul said, stand fast in the liberty where Christ hath made us free. He didn't say it's going to make us free. He said, hath already made us free. So it starts with standing fast in my newfound freedom, not allowing the enemy to bring me back into those things that Jesus delivered me out of. I like to write things down. Um Set the book of Proverbs to write the vision, or in Habakkuk, in the book of Habakkuk, chapter two, it says, write the vision, make it plain. I like to write things down. As you see steps that you're that you're making, visible steps, then write down on a legal pad things that you're actually seeing God do in your life, whatever it is, however little it may be. Write that down and then at a discouraging moment, refer back to that legal pad, something you've written down that's showing you uh, that you are making progress. Maybe you're not where you need to be or, or, or where you want to be yet, but instead of being discouraged, you're not where you need to be or where you want to be. Why not be encouraged yeah. that you see in the word what's available to you? I love that because- That makes sense when you're talking about writing the vision down and making it plain, it's not just the vision for the future, but if you can write down in a journal of where you're currently at, what you're going through, you can always look back at it and be encouraged by, okay, I'm not there anymore. I'm actually yes. further along. Yes. And when we don't keep 
yes. track of the past and see how far God has brought us, it can be extremely discouraging feeling like we haven't made that progress. And in this process, Israel did something very similar when they had a major encounter with the Lord. While they might not have kept a journal like we do today, they built altars. So when Jacob became Israel, he built an altar or even, yeah, he built an altar there. When the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, Moses built an altar. And then these altars served as markers for generations future to look back on and say, hey, at this point in time in our history, God met us here. And they could be encouraged by what God has done and by keeping a journal and writing and looking back at that journal, we can see, all right, this is what God has been doing and this is how far I've come. And so I really like what you're saying about how we can see the progress by documenting. It's possible even, you know, if you're a writer or if you're not a writer, um, write the first chapter of your book and then just keep writing um, until you complete the final chapter of what you think it's going to be. And it's amazing how that if you'll begin to do that, it will stir your faith. Um, I haven't in a while, but um, I used to write an article about once a month for our Mattoon Journal Gazette. And um, I'm not sure they even have a an article anymore that pastors write, but they used to uh, have that. And I would write an article about once a month or whenever was my time to do so. And I'd always come away from that time of writing. I didn't look forward to it at the time. When I got done, I felt inspired. I felt uplifted. My faith was stirred because of something I wrote down. So um, writing things down um, is a powerful way, powerful tool uh, for you to stay inspired and for you to uh, stay uplifted. And it's a powerful tool that can point you in a certain direction that you want to go. That is so good. Um, I'll say this, that any, any, um, you know who Pastor Lonnie Hilton is? Yeah. He did a, uh, he did a uh, uh, strategic planning seminar for our church a number of years ago. And he said that any goal that's not written down is just daydreaming. Yeah. And, and so uh, I'm real big on writing things down. I, I carry a, uh, a legal pad around with me. I carry a, uh, a weekly planner around. And I write out all of my uh, things I, w- I wish to accomplish for the week. I do that every week. And uh, a, a goal that's not written down is just daydreaming. Uh, for your goals to be accomplished, they have to be written down and acted upon, mm-hmm. and acted upon. Um, we call them smart goals. Okay, a smart goal is S M A R T. What's a smart goal? It's specific. It's measurable, attainable, relatable, and time specific. 
we actually gave SMART goals uh, as an assignment to our 18 uh, this past week. And they um, really just uh, really blessed me as their pastor with what they came up with. Hmm. Pastor Lonnie, thank you for your time today and coming on to the show, uh, helping us just learn more about how we can identify who we are in Christ and live a life that is out of freedom and relationship with God, not to try to be free. And so thank you so much for coming on today. If people want to get a hold of you or follow you, how can they reach out? We have a website, um, llcmattoon.org, or they can go to our Liberty Facebook page, Liberty Life Church of uh, Mattoon, Illinois, um, or they can contact our church at um, Post Office Box 1983, uh, Mattoon, Illinois, 61938, um, or my cell number. I'll give you my cell number. Area code 217-218-9817. Would love to speak with you. Would love to pray for you. We have tremendous miracles that happen in this ministry. We are a miracle ministry. It is called Liberty Life Church. Well, Pastor Lonnie, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. And I hope you have a great day, okay? Thank you for asking me. God bless you. You bet. Take care.